That's the first question I have. Does anyone in the world call you anything besides Felly and it's cool with you? Um, most of my friends call me Fell, Chris. Um, girls will call me Christian. And if I'm in like, if I'm like being scolded or something, or it's, it's usually turns to Christian, you know, that's just usually how it goes. But, but it's mostly Fell. I like to know that kind of stuff. That name drop alert. When I interviewed Youngblood, for example, I said, by the way, just what what do i call you like i can't go hey young blood and he's like well dominic <laughs> there you go so felly thank you for taking the time the first question i have for you is you you got a really cool logo and it reminds you of the slash records logo is that a pure coincidence that is probably a coincidence i didn't send that one as far like i sent a bunch of old rock and roll type inspirations to my boy who who does logos and, and all that type of shit. And it, I, I was like, just make some timeless, make some raw gritty. And he came back with 10 and that was my favorite one. So it's okay. a cool looking logo for sure. And looking behind you, sorry to pry here. We see a Hofner beetle base on the wall there. It looks yes, like sir. there's a whirly on the other side of you. So it's kind of true what they're saying, or is that a Fender Rhodes? That's a Rhodes. That's a seafoam green Fender Rhodes. That is a rarity right there. So clearly you're a student of the rock and roll game, but rock is not all you listen to. Has that always been the case that you've been to in a bit of everything? I like that you know your shit. Um, eh. I, you got to, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm like more so getting into that that world. Like, I mean, I, I always grew up listening to that, but like I kind of started with what was accessible to me first, which is sort of just like a mic and a laptop, like a lot of kids. And I wasn't like a big singer and I couldn't really play guitar. So I was just like, all right, we'll make beats, we'll sample things, we'll, we'll, we'll write and rap. Those, that's what I could do and that's what was in front of me. Um, so I kind of, I feel like I've like done as much as I kind of want to in that world of just like in the box recording. And now I'm sort of trying to think like, you know, let's take it back to like Red Hot Chili Peppers times recording some tape. Like that's sort of where I'm like, that's where I want to go um on this album that I'm about to drop it's got like a, a few hints of that and it has like the seed of that mm-hmm. but I, I could see like the the future of what I want to do but yeah have you always played a bit of every instrument I asked that because when I was growing up you know in the olden days no I'm kidding I'm probably like 12 years older than you, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> people didn't really play everything. Like it was a whole big deal. Like, oh my God, Dave Grohl played everything on that first Foo Fighters record, except the guitar solo. Oh my God. And now everyone seems to play a bit of everything because home recording taught them or they learned patches and, hey, this is, this is what it sounds like on the drum pad. Therefore, if my finger drumming can do this, I can play a drum kit properly. In your case, how did that all evolve? Yeah, I think it's it's largely about like necessity. Like when like the other option is to just suck and not have guitar and not have something like that. So it's like yeah. if you're here alone, like you're gonna you're gonna have to figure it out because like like even drums, like I, I have a kit set up over there. Um it's kind of in pieces right now, but um I've been like 
programming my own drums and shit because it's like I'm like I have other drummers, but they're not always here and yeah. I'm all creating. So um, you're going to learn drums and you're going to get that down. And if not, you're going to figure out how to make it sound like it sounds good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think I just I dabble with a little bit of everything. Like I got a lap steel coming today, um, really? a harmonica on the way. Um, got one of those old um, aesthetic, like almost like Elvis mics for for a harmonica. Totally. Like, from like the 50s or something. I don't even know. But um, <laughs> but just like just trying to like explore the sounds and, and you can kind of get caught up because you could be like, um, you know, let's just keep it simple. Like we all we really all I really need is a beat and a, and a mic. All I need is one mic, as uh, Nas says. But yes, but, but really, it's kind of turned into no, I, I, I want like a bunch of shit like it's endless. So um yeah get a lap still in here get like all sorts of different things like it's just natural progression I feel like and it's like I don't know the Beatles picked up the sitar at some point it's like you have it's just fun like it's expensive and great it's like the best way to spend money in my opinion are you that creative in any other fields of art or does music just get everything out of you um I think I'm like that creative as far as like just how I think and see the world. Um, but I'm not, I'm not in, in sort of photos and videos, but sometimes like I'll try to transfer it to like painting or something like I can paint a little bit. Like I painted a couple of these things over here, but I painted that thing. Uh, that one right there. Yeah. But, uh, but it doesn't always translate. Well, I've, I find you to be a really uh, personality-driven artist. So I see somebody like you who can do a bit of everything, and I go, that guy clearly will be hosting a travel show in the next five years where he's on tour and that kind of thing. In other words, that's the personality I see for you, that you could be a comedy writer, you could be a travel show host. You don't give off the vibe of all this guy can do is play songs in his apartment, and that's all he does. That's hilarious. Comedy writer, I don't know about, but I, I could definitely go Anthony Bourdain. I would love to do that. I feel like I already do do that. And then it's just like, all right, we'll do a show over here. Uh, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm open like to the, to the world. I just like open up to it. So whatever happens, happens. Sure. So it, is it public knowledge that you sign with 300 or is that going to be announced? We'll edit around that if it's not publicly known. Yeah, I just, I just actually announced it um, on Monday on my Instagram, I was going to do like a, a big, like, I'm signed. I'm so grateful. Thank you to the fans and all that shit. And I was just like, I just mentioned it. I was like, yeah, I signed, I signed to them. Like, let's keep it going. Like there's music coming. Like, like the fans don't really need to know. It doesn't matter that much. Like it's more of like my personal life and like the people around me, that's, that's valuable information to them because they're like, you know, who are the people you're talking with every day and, and interacting with and who's helping you. Mm -hmm. but to Fans, to the fans I just want to keep it like it's about the music and me communicating with them and like it's like it's like right here not like here's my friend I brought my friend. it's like going on a date and you and the chick has her like friends and you're like I want to talk to you like you know like that's how I feel like the relationship is fair well you stand out from the roster and I mean that in a great way in a way it reminds me of when bad boy entertainment was at its peak and it signed a power pop band called Fuzzbubble. 
And ultimately that album didn't come out. They spent a fortune on this really good rock band, didn't come out per se. Obviously that's not happening to you because you've already gotten out music through 300, but people are like, but this is a hip hop label. How, why are you signing that? In your case, originally 300, if unless I'm cor- incorrect, start off as this is a hip hop thing. And then it grew to, well, anything we want to put out, that's what we're going to put out. So did you know right away 300 was the fit? Um, after talking with the guy, like it was, it wasn't really about like the artists and, and all that, because like, uh, I just don't really like, I, I'm still exploring and I'm sure a lot of those artists are still exploring like, like thug, like mm-hmm. thug has done a country album. Like he is, he's, he's predominantly hip hop, but like, he's not like, he's not one to be put in a box. Um, I, I kind of felt the same and I felt like they just talking with the team and shit, they recognize that. And, and trust me, I, I asked them about that. I was like, so on my second or third album, when I'm like not making any hip hop music, like, are y'all going to fuck with me? And they're like, yeah, like we love, like we'd go, please do that. And like, it was actually, <clears throat> it was funny because a lot of the, um, the label people were pushing me to go more towards my alt sound because they're just seeing like, it was like more natural to me. They're like, don't make hip hop just to, just to do 300, you know, just to be in 300. Like, like I was like, okay, good. Like, I was like, that was nice to know. Um, not that I really like am, am too phased by that, but it was just, it was good to hear, hear that from them, you know? Yeah. They've described you. Let me think if I have the quote correctly. I think it's a rock star in hip hop times. You've, I think you've heard that. And I think that's totally suitable and that makes me think of there was an interview like two, three years ago when mm-hmm. pe- somebody was talking to Adam Levine from Maroon 5 and they were asking about rock stuff. And he was like, I don't know any kids in high school that like rock per se. And then that's when I felt like a grandpa because it, growing up, I was the rare person who liked rock and hip hop in my school. It's kind of like you're either a skater or you're a hip hop guy. But what we talked about before, you've seemingly always been open-minded so what i'm curious about is what was the thing that made you open-minded i'm assuming it's not anthrax and public enemy like that's before your time was it limp biscuit what was the thing that crossed you between i like hip-hop and country and rock um well it wasn't country's not in this one but you know shouts country but uh rage against the machine um that was that was like oh shit like it's going hard he's still cutting up in the flows like it's mm-hmm. heavy it's it's brash like but but really like I, I i don't know i feel like i feel like just realizing and like maybe studying like rick rubin a little bit and just kind of realizing like it really doesn't matter and it's like it, it, it's cool to talk about i love i love talking about it and I, I get hung up on it sometimes but like it really it's irrelevant almost um like if it's getting through to you and it's making you feel something like even the most hip hop dude is going to want to be a part of that. And, and if like, and if, if it's a, you know, an emo white dude with, you know, the tightest pants ever, who's just like, and, 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 you know, Gucci man gets through to him. Like he's going to want to be a part of that too. So it's like, it's just this, um, I don't know. It's like we're kind of just clearing the slate. That's what 2021 feels like to me. And it, it's refreshing. And it, it's nice to be someone who's like involved in that um, in some way. I don't think I've even like made a dent yet, but uh, I think I'm, I'm going to. I know I'm going to. So 
Cool. Looking forward to seeing that, hearing that, et cetera. A person that has crossed over into your professional life, Carlos Santana. He's obviously spanned generations. If you listen to his stuff from the 80s, it does not sound anything like the 60s, doesn't sound anything like smooth. He sounded like any other 80s dude in the 80s, per se. But how did you connect with Carlos? So someone from my previous label at Sony um, had just had just like on a whim sent out my record to his team. Which is funny because they were, it's not like they were playing the label game, but they, we were just kind of doing like all we knew, which was like, all right, you got like a dope, like hip hop ish song, like let's get a rapper on it or something. Like we need a verse. And that's like, we were pitching those. And I was just like in the back of my head the whole time, I was like, oh, fuck, like we're going to pay some dude like too much money for him to like phone in a verse. And it's like, it's just going to look corny and just feel like that. Uh, and then from the grace of God, like somehow it got to Carlos's team or like Carlos had his antenna out and I had my antenna out and like I get a call it's literally it was like probably two years ago in October I remember I was doing sober October sometimes I try to do sober October Uh, it just like you know get my fucking get my vibe on and I was literally sitting here like meditating and my boy calls me and he's like yo he's like you're not gonna believe this but like yo Carlos Santana wants to get on your song like are you free the next day or two to like go up to San Francisco and go join him in the studio I was like I was like this shit's real <laughs> I was like this manifest shit is real um so so yeah I went up um and got in the studio with him and yeah like you said like he he's a no boundary type type character like yes yeah. um he's working with young dudes just because he knows like like life continues and like think keep things fresh and like he had more energy at like 72 or however old he is than like me and my boys like we were kind of like oh my god like we gotta like whatever this guy's on so I got to um excuse me I got to like pick his brain and like just talk to him about this and be like yo Carlos like were you always like this like we always this free this open um and he was like hell no He's like, I was, he studied under some guru for like 10 years. He was, you know, he had a tough, tough uh, childhood, tough 20. Yeah. Like it, it's, it, it was just refreshing for me to see as like a young buck. Cause it's like a lot of times we're not happy with where we are. Um, and we kind of forget that, like, you know, there's so much to go. There's so much to explore. And it's just kind of like, just so it's freeing, you know? And so once you understand that, you like, you're free. Like, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I, I get what you're saying. Now, when you mentioned, I don't know what he was on. Did you get to try his coffee? I've got some Santana coffee over here. I have not. Um, I, I've i seen it. I know they got some weed. They got some coffee. <laughs> um, I'm drinking some, uh, it's this place called Sprouts. It's Jamaican. I don't know. It's Jamaican Sprouts. <laughs> Whatever gets you through the day. But I think you raise a really good point about how open-minded Carlos is. I had an old friend of mine saw Carlos two or three summers ago, and he was excited to hear all the stuff from the 60s. And he he left mid-show because he's like, I don't know why he has this rap stuff. Obviously, an older gentleman. And you think about that. Who has evolved better over time than Carlos Santana? I a name doesn't come to mind for me. Like you don't want to hear ACDC doing mashups per se. You just want to hear them sound like ACDC, but there's other artists where you do want to see them grow at the times. And 
props Carlos, Carlos. He's so hip. He's so like, uh, he's still like a, a G. Like, like my friends who got to meet him and hang out with him because we played a show in Vegas with them. Yeah. Um, they were just like, like he's just that dude you just want to like kick it with, like on like a like he's like the homie almost, like <laughs> like it's crazy. Um, but as from what you said, I mean, I think like Elton John might be in there. Like Elton John does okay. some stuff. Uh, he did some stuff with my boys surfaces like he's staying tapped in i think ozzy osbourne a little bit um sure good point sort of doing some stuff like that but um but you're right like a lot of those a lot of those dudes who have their lane you know they, they're taking that lane to the grave and that's that's sweet but um I, I really i think it's dope that they that their old heads are like dabbling with the younger guys too well i'm looking forward to seeing what happens when that lap steel or the pedal steel gets to you and you've gotten super comfortable with it and it gets on a recording but my last question for you has nothing to do with your great music your great career it's you personally because you've you've been off like a lot of us have been off the past couple of years what should we be watching on tv you got any recommendations tv um okay couple documentaries i mostly watch music docs i'm like hella yeah. late like i'm hella late to all the uh like i just watched game of thrones <laughs> like recently like that shit's like 10 years old yeah. uh, my wife hasn't seen the sopranos this is normal <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like i i just yeah um the leonard skinner documentary is so fire like i obviously knew a little bit about leonard skinner like cool but there's some mystical ass shit that went on with them and like their plane crashed into a swamp like these dudes from Florida and like yeah they're like on like another level like it was like it was some crazy shit um so the Leonard Skinner doc is dope the Bee Gees documentary super dope um I think that was that really hit me because they had to like reinvent themselves like five or six times like oh yeah uh, like they they would be the biggest thing in the world and then like the lamest thing like if you said the bg's name it's like get the hell out of here and i just think that's like it's just a good reminder to not use the world or humanity as your meter for um you know if you're doing things right you know like it's gonna not click it's gonna click it's gonna keep going like same shit with bob dylan when he did like um when he brought out electric guitars and stuff like shit happens and like just take it light so i'm i'm here for the long run and i'm i'm just like keeping in mind the history because i i I want to know these things and i'm so lucky that i get to watch like documentaries of people who have like already been through a journey like if my journey is even like a quarter of like how epic theirs was like i'll be happy but like it's so dope that we get to see on tv and um netflix or whatever like these like it's like living, like living, watching them live again. It's crazy. Well said. Well, I'm looking forward to the new music. Do we know the release date or target month for your album coming out? Yeah, baby. It's this Friday, October 22nd. So I don't know when this interview is going to drop, but it'd probably be already be out by the time, you know, whoever's watching this uh, sees it. So Young Fell 2 is out now. It's out everywhere. There's a video for my song Bones. Um, it's probably my favorite video I've ever put out. Um, so go watch the Bones video. And yeah, man, 
phones and fast car. It's all on YouTube. It's all great. Well, thank you so much for your time and hope to see you live in New York in the near future. Appreciate you, brother. Take care. Outrocast. It's the Outrocast now with Darren Bell. I appreciate you taking the time to say the least long time, long time fan of your band and being from Long Island, you have that extra level of love for dream theater to say the least, but let's talk about the new album. First and foremost, first album that was made in dream theater headquarters. Was that easier or harder to have all that extra time and resources right there? Uh, It actually made it a lot easier. It was great to have our own space. Um, you know, we just finally decided not that long ago to kind of consolidate everything into one headquarters. Um, and it's been working out really well, you know, luckily our techs and, you know, people that work for us are also very handy, uh, in addition to being great with, you know, all the, all the gear we use and, um, you know, they were able to kind of configure this space. So it really is wonderful for us so we have a live room we have a control room it's all uh you know place to store our gear and then we don't have the pressure of having anybody over our heads telling us oh well we have another client coming in or you know anything like that i mean we've actually been lucky with the last two records that we've done um distance over time was also done in a very beautiful spot it wasn't our own but it was done at a, a barn that was really nice with big windows and we all set up and it was a lot, a lot of room. We all kind of camped out. That was cool. Uh, and, uh, but, but now, you know, we're in our own space and of course that's got a different vibe and it's right. very productive, uh, just a good experience on many, you know, almost all levels, shall I say. And I think we got the results we needed. The gold standards, I think for home studios kind of started with the Zappas and with 5150. And when you read into the albums that Van Halen made at 5150, they sound amazing, but you find out that they painstakingly went over everything again and again and again. And things actually took longer because they were not on the clock per se. Are you the kind of person that likes having that clock or deadline or do you like, hey, we can try this sound in this patch instead? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think that I'm the kind of person who likes to know that something needs to be delivered by a certain point. Like, you know, okay, like we're going to do this project and it kind of, your part has to like be done in March, you know, like, <laughs> and then we're going to go to something else. So like to have some kind of like cutoff is I think always good, just so you have an awareness of time. Um, but at the same time, so, so we also, you know, we found the perfect balance. We set it up ourselves, basically, you know, we have to deliver a record at a certain point, but we set up our schedule ourselves. And then it just is a different feeling when you're just kind of organizing it all. And you're not in somebody else's space under somebody else's watch, even though you still have, you know, trying to keep on schedule because that's what, you know, productive people do. I mean, we have like in our headquarters, we've got a big chart and it says like keyboards, vocals, bass, guitar, drums, and check marks for when songs are written and mixed and this and that and tracked and every element of it, we kind of keep track of and, you know, it's really organized. Um, So, but, but in addition to that, we also have 
our own space and we're just doing our thing. So there is a level of, uh, you know, like with the keyboard parts, oh, you know, that, that Moog thing sounds good, but let's go over there and try it on the Hammond, you know, and like experimentation, that's, you know, that's a, that was a big part of, of uh, my experience, even on this album, trying to find like just the exact sound that we wanted. Like we didn't, you know, we're not, we're not really a band that like settles on anything, you know, like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's not, it's not about that at all. Like every track, every sound has to really be like, like that's the shit, that's it. That's the part, it's played just the way I want it. It's got the perfect sound. Okay, let's move on now. So that's always been our way. Uh, it was a little easier to kind of like, almost like do it this way, given our own, you know, our own environment. Totally get what you're saying with all that. Did you know outright, hey, we want this in New York? I know that Dream Theater's roots are New York per se, but my experience is that you reach a certain age as a New Yorker and you go, I'm done with New York. And then you get away from New York and then you go, I miss New York. And you kind of come back to New York per se, but it hasn't gotten cheaper over the years. I know a lot of bands who have put a headquarters-like thing happening in New York, like the Irish band Ash, of all places, they're in New York for their well, studio and their headquarters. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the whole goal was to find someplace that was, you know, affordable, had what we needed, and also not that far from, so we could all get there, you know. And it needed to be, you know, mostly con kind of convenient for for uh, John Petrucci, who is, you know, we're all there a lot, but he's there the most because he was producing these albums. So you can't be going to uh, Acapulco, you know. To, <laughs> well, he can, but <laughs> but he wants to live at, you know, he wants to be at home when he's, you know, and have that have that option. So yeah, I mean, that said, I wouldn't mind recording the next album like on a you know mountaintop in Hawaii or something like that. But you know, that could be a nice change of pace. But uh, but for now, we're we're in New York. Ultimately, is this studio open to other bands if they're legit bands, or is it just Dream Theater and Dream Theater side projects? It's a dream. It's Dream Theater's headquarters. I've heard talk of maybe like the idea of allowing it to have other people in there. I don't know if we've actually done that yet. Um, we might have had somebody else in there. Um, it's possible, but it's mostly our our space. It's not. It's not meant to be like you know a studio that somebody else can you know can rent or whatever. It's basically it's a facility that houses our world. It's got our gear in it and studios and you know place to have meetings and it's kind of like yeah. The Foo Fighters have the six oh six compound. Dream Theater has these headquarters. Totally get it. <laughs> um, so back to the album though, a view from the top of the world. Did you have the title? outright or was the title one of the last things to come to the table no john petrucci emerged with that title one day it's actually while i was doing keyboard tracks i remember he came down from he was up in our loft space and he was writing words and he was like oh man i got this i got the inspiration for this i just wonder if you guys will like it you know and so he kind of bounced it off me and i said john that's a great title it's so prog and perfect and oh, that prog. Vibe. And that was perfect you know like awesome when you when you nail it you nail it and he's pretty good at doing that. So <laughs> we were all like, yes, man, that's great. Let's do it. So, do you have a favorite song on the album? Uh, that's a great question. It, it, it changes daily. I, I just, you know, I love all the albums we do. They're all like my children. And I think we all feel that way. But there is something really special about this one uh, for, I guess, different, various reasons. Um, and every day I kind of like 
changed my mind. I can't I can't say that this is a favorite because I really really do like 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 equally almost all of them. It's crazy, but it's true. A lot of you know I, I'm drawn to something like the the title track, the the epic track, because I like you know things I like epic longer form type music, and it yeah. gives us a chance to spread out, and you know it's, it uses a lot of my really intense symphonic sounds, and it uses I get to use my iPad and my app GeoShred playing a really pretty cello sound in the middle of the song, and you yeah. know I'm kind of like maybe that could be my favorite. Outro cast.